0: You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.
1: I want you all to go ahead and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six. Some of you may remember uh, from high school or from college taking physics How many of you took physics? Anybody in here took physics? A few of you. (laughs) Well, um, in physics, they define power as uh, the transfer of energy, all right? So one scholar noted that a common example of energy transfer that we uh, see in everyday life is the transfer of kinetic energy. Kinetic energy is the energy associated with motion, right? From one moving object Uh, to a stationary object via work, right? So in physics, work is a measure of energy transfer, and it refers to the force applied to an object over a distance, right? So if Jim Camfordam or Jimmy Turner uh, were to hit a golf ball, when they swing that golf club, there's, and they, they, make contact with a stationary golf ball, some of the club's kinetic energy transfers to the ball as the club does work on the ball right in that energy transfer energy moves from one object to another, but of course it stays in the same form right the traje- the trajectory of the golf club and the golf ball pretty easy to visualize another energy transfer is like um, a light bulb uh, if these lights don't have, uh, don't have any energy running to them, right? Then they, they don't produce light. They don't produce any heat. But as soon as we hit the switch, the energy that's coming from the power source uh, comes to the lights and produces heat and light. Make sense? Right? See now you're all, you're, you, you're, there's your physics class. If only it had been that easy, all right? So the more powerful and efficient our swing the swing of the, the golf club, the more uh, efficient and further and accurate the golf shot. The more uh, electricity transferred to the light, the brighter and hotter the light. And here's why I'm sharing all that. The same is true in our message today because we've entitled the message Reliance Relocation. And in a, for as parents, one of our greatest goals, our greatest purposes is to transfer our authority to God, all right? Uh, that, by doing that, we bring about spiritual maturity in our children. So a, a powerful parent is actually the one who points to the all-powerful God as the base of all authority. Like John says in John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease, and that applies also to parenting, all right? All right. And there's a wonderful passage that explains this today, and it's Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it, it, it gives us the heading of the house. And this is, of course, a well-known passage. Uh, you don't have to stand. I'm going to read this to you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, and your son's son. Some of y'all know we went and saw our Son's son, this week. I don't have pictures this week. Too much going on today, but I'll maybe pop some up next week. By keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand that they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob to give you, For the Lord your God is in your midst, and he's a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all of your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. And when your son asks you in time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you'll say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes and he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God to, uh, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Don't ask my wife, Vicki, to come and ask God's blessings on our message today.
0: Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to all be here today, God. Um, we just thank you for these graduates, Lord. Um, God, I know you have a plan for each and every one of them, Lord, and I just pray um, this message is so appropriate as parents are releasing you know, their children just into the world, God, that They can just trust the things that they have instilled in them, Lord, um, and have taught them God would daily be reminded as just um, all the difficulties of growing into adulthood. um, happens to them as they go away to college and have independence. Lord, we do pray they would cling to you and remember those things. Um, I pray, God, that you would just bless this message, Lord. I pray that you would bless Went. God, I thank you that I kind of get a backstage pass into his week, Lord, and see how he prepares and studies and really seeks you, God. And I pray, Lord, that that you would just bless the words that you have given him. Let our hearts be sensitive to them. Let us receive them and learn from them, God. And we just thank you for allowing us to be here and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen, thank you. Mary. All right, so biblically speaking, I'm not saying that we that we transfer all authority to God. God put us where we're at to be in a place of authority as parents, right? Um, I, I may not... Uh, Respect uh, the way a police officer gives me a ticket. He may have a bad attitude with me and may may be rude, but I I respect the position that that police officer is in as a position of authority over me. And it's the same way with motherhood and fatherhood. Those are roles created by God. So I'm not saying it all transfers, but we must, our goal is to reprioritize our families. And in, in energy transfer and reliance relocation, or authority realignment, whatever you want to call it. It is vi- absolutely vital in parenting. Our parenting priority is to transfer authority priorities from ourselves to Christ. But how do we do it? I want to give you four steps today to do this. And step one in Reliance Relocation is we need a sincere, personal walk with God. And I didn't say a sincere, perfect walk with God, I said a sincere personal walk. Parents are sinful. <laughs> you don't earn the right to tell your kids what to do. God earned the right to put you in that position. And it's by His word that your kids are to obey you, not by your own righteousness. Friend, none of us would deserve to discipline anybody ever. Policemen wouldn't have authority, government wouldn't have authority, parents wouldn't have authority based on our works. There's no way. So in, in doing this, in, 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 I guess in being humble and repentant, we need to be repentant before our kids and show vulnerability. I know I, it's hard to do. <laughs> but when you look at your children or your teenage son or daughter and you repent of something you shouldn't have said or you did wrong, do you realize you're equally discipling them than if you had been perfect the whole time? they need to see genuine repentance modeled in their own parents. And that gives us to, to the sub-point here that we need a real-life faith. Deuteronomy 6 verse 1 says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord, your God, commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going. You, you, you. Ten times in two verses, God uses the personal pronoun you or your. In our walk with Christ, if our Faith in Christ is only for the sake of steering the moral compass of our children without it having any bearing in the steering of our own. You think your kids won't notice that? <laughs> you, you think your children, your teenagers, your cynical 19 year old who's still under your roof isn't going to notice whether your faith is genuine or not? However, if our lack of faith in God turns into a genuine love for God and his word and his commands. Despite years of uh, less than perfect parenting, they're going to notice that too. And they're going to see the difference. And I've baptized adults in this church and and their children with them. And you think, and it's been a profound, had a profound impact in their family. I can testify that neither one of my parents grew up in what I would consider a uh, an ideal spiritual incubator, all right? I don't know that my mom's parents were saved. I never saw a Bible in their house or saw them go to church or heard them mention God. I certainly don't send people to heaven or hell, but I don't know about that one, all right? And my dad, he, he grew up in a, uh, I, I think he went to Sunday school and went to church some. I don't know if they were what I would consider sold out for Christ. But as a kid, I watched my parents grow up in Christ. They were going to Bible study fellowship. They were in, uh, they were highly involved in serving in our church. And as they served, they grew. Their knowledge of the word grew. My mother would have on uh, Christian radio, not for my benefit. Like you need to hear this boy. It was for her benefit, her growth. It wasn't a legalistic home situation. I, I had to go to church, but they didn't shove Christ down my throat in the house. They modeled it for me. They were growing. Romans 2 verse 17 says, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and, and know his will and approve what is excellent because you're instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Right? Right? For God ever mentions teaching, right? For he ever alludes to the distribution of biblical truth through parents to their children. He jumps right back into the personal pronouns. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your might. Seven more times God says you are your. We need a real life faith. And the second part of this is what we don't need and that's a compartmentalized faith. I see too many people in this categorized world trying to have Jesus over here, school over here. They're trying to, they're trying to make shelves or, you know, drawers for God and your family. Let me tell you what that turns out to be. And I know this from personal experience. Every time I try to pursue an area of my life to become more righteous in, like I want to be a more patient father, I want to be a more romantic husband, whatever it is. If you pursue that one thing, right, you will fail. Inevitably, you will fail in some other area of your life. You may become more romantic. You may become more patient, But you're going to be failing somewhere else. It's a picture of that juggler. You know, those guys who had those long sticks and they would put plates on the sticks and spin them. You know, and so, you know, I guess the goal was to see how many plates, who invented this, I don't know. But you know, I remember seeing this on television. And so you're just spinning plates, spinning plates, trying to keep all the plates spinning. But what happens? You can't keep them all spinning. And a plate falls and it breaks. And so your whole life is given to keeping all this. But, (laughs) And that's how a lot of us feel, but Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When we compartmentalize our faith, Christ on Sunday, homework Monday, baseball Tuesday, prayer meeting Wednesday, right? But if I will pursue Christ personally and make Him my priority, I will be more loving to my wife. I will become more patient. You, you try pursuing patience, friend. Just try for a week. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue patience. I'm gonna really work on my patience this week, dead gummit. Right? Good luck with that. But if you'll pursue Christ, you will become more patient. If you will set him first in your home, all these things will be added to you. Test God in this. Make God your own authority. And you may just find your children honoring yours more. Stop spinning plates. Start pursuing Christ because a sincere personal walk with God fixes more than you'll ever know. And it prepares us for step two. Teach God's commands to your children. Now, obviously, our uh, walk with God, our, which we just mentioned, is a huge part of what you're teaching. Teaching just doesn't just happen in a pulpit or in a classroom. Teaching happens as they see you stump your toe, right? As they, they see you uh, in traffic. <laughs> That's a bad one, uh, right? As they see you deal with a lost job. I remember when my dad lost his job. Man, I was a, I was a rebellious 15-year-old. And my dad, who was a businessman who went to work every day in a tie, is now going and putting in resumes all morning. And then when I would get out of school, I would help him rake yards. A grown man with multiple degrees, raking yards. He was the happiest man. He, wouldn't, he wasn't shameful of doing it. He was putting food on her table. He didn't know it at the time, but my respect for him grew more in those, that six little months there without a job than probably in the rest of my life. Uh, first thing to note here is that these are commands. Right? They're not... Demands because that says, do this or I won't love you. That's a demand. A command is, do this because I love you. Right? Commands are good. Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Romans 7, 7, yet if it hadn't been for the law, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known sin, for I wouldn't have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. So God's commands are good, but they're not suggestions. Right? <laughs> Parents aren't to teach possibilities. The Hebrew word uses, uh, used here for command is mitzvah. Y'all know that word, mitzvah? Bar mitzvah? It's from tsava, a Hebrew word, meaning to forbid, to give a charge, or set in divine order. It's not a suggestion. One scholar noted that in the Pentateuch, mitzvah speaks only of God's commands to men, never of men's commands to someone else. Mitzvah refers to God's orders, the direction in which to go or not to go. Proverbs 6.23 says God's mitzvah is a lamp giving light to the eyes so we can see where to walk or not walk. It's notable that the greatest frequency of mitzvah, this word, is in the book of Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law, where it occurs some 43 times. Of course y'all know the word bar mitzvah which means son of the commandment you may not know this part but in a Jewish celebration of the bar mitzvah it's the it's where a young boy comes of age and accepts his duties relating to the law of Moses that's a bar mitzvah parents here's the deal we're not told to teach opinions we're not told to tweak the law to fit our desires or the personality of our kids God's law doesn't change based on your personality or your kid's difficulty, even if he's a rebellious kid or her, right? We're not told to, negot- to negotiate with children. We're told to teach God's commands. Galatians 3.24 says, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. That sounds crazy, talking about the law but being justified by faith. Other versions say uh, the law has become our trainer unto Christ. King James says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. New King James says the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Church, stop trying to teach your kids about mercy and grace if you haven't taught them about the law. They won't know what grace is if they don't have any discipline and any law and any commands. But if they do, if they have commands, when you show grace, they'll know it. That's why a lot of people don't sing in worship because they don't understand the commands of God and what they've been rescued from. <laughs> That's what Galatians three twenty four means. Teach God's commands so that we might be justified by faith. The only way to teach that is through the commands of God. The second thing to note is to teach them diligently. The Hebrew word for teach diligently is it's it's shenantum. It means to repeat or iterate or to do a thing again and again. Hence, to wet or sharpen any instrument which is done by reiterated friction or grinding. (laughs) Yeah, I get that part, right? Get the grinding part. Psalm 127 verse four says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. But what good is a dull arrow? You spend all your energy pulling back that arrow, that's energy spent, and you release it, but it does nothing because it's dull and it just plinks off the, the enemy, church. This is the premise of discipleship. Matthew twenty-eight twenty says, "Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you." This is more than some monologue at the breakfast table, right? As the word suggests, it takes diligence. I'll never forget my, my mom's father. My grandma, church, teach God's commandments, right? God's word is the same. Please the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you. Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves. That's who we were. We were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord has brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there. I've told my children, I have no authority to discipline you, whether it's a wooden spoon or a timeout. I don't have the authority to do that on my own because of my own righteousness I broke every sin and more than they've committed so I guess I shouldn't be a parent no God's appointed me to be a parent because I am one so what am I to do should I serve based on my own righteousness or based on God's righteousness you want to be a better parent pursue God and give grace to your children I tell my children hey I don't deserve this but God said children obey your parents and the Lord and that is a law of God not a law of man and that's why I should do this not because I deserve to do it but because I was put in a place to do it So I have no authority apart from God's word right the bible is my parental authority and so I got to swing the golf club right I got to transfer the energy to that golf ball and if I shank one into the woods and I leave my golf party over there and I go over there by myself and I can't find the golf ball I'll just drop one along the cart path and tell my friends found it (laughs) I just seeing if y'all are still listening all right no no I won't do that I'll drop the ball take my extra stroke and I'll let the Lord worry about my score at the end of the day amen that's what we're to do as parents we don't get it right but we can, do, we can get it better. We can pursue Christ first. Would you stand? Father God, we love you. And boy, do we shank a lot of golf balls. Uh, but Lord, you've put us in this place and I hope that our children will understand that our authority doesn't come from man. It comes from God. And just like that saying, by the time a man realizes maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. And so, God, we, we confess to you now, we, we get it wrong a lot. But we want to be better parents. We want to be better uh, wives and husbands and fathers and mothers. So we're asking you, Lord, as we study your word in, on parenting, that you would help us transfer authority from ourselves to God. We still lay down the law in our homes. But it's not a law based on us, it's a law based on God's Word. There's authority above us, it's driving us in our decision making and I pray our children would know that, whether they're infants or grown, that the encouragement and advice and commands that we give would be not only modeled in our own faith, but it would be obeyed by our children. And I know there's some parents in here that have rebellious children. Some that have children that haven't given their hearts to Christ yet, and we pray, Lord. Father, as children, we can't use our parents' lostness as an excuse for our own. We have to to own our own faith. But I do pray that we would let our words and our lives match who we are in Christ. I pray today, if there's anybody that has not called on the name of Jesus to be saved, they would call out to you come forward and make their profession of faith public. Maybe they already know Christ and have known you for years, but just haven't followed you in believer's baptism. And maybe there's people in our church that want to join here and serve you through this local church. I pray that we'd be obedient to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.